Welcome to the Loop Podcast, the podcast that deep dives what works today when it comes to marketing to the modern buyer. I'm your host, John Beck, Global Head of Paid at Cognizim, and I'm delighted to, to be joined by my guest, Andrew Harder, Senior Paid Marketing Manager at Cisco. Welcome, Andrew. How are you doing? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. It's a, a kind of a rainy morning, so a little dreary, but I'm super pumped to chat with you. I'm a huge fan of just how you run paid and I love Cognizm. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you. And thank you for joining. Uh, to be fair, I've been following your content for probably more than a year. And I love how you have been transitioning uh, from the traditional approach to demand gen uh, at Cisco as well. And I think I uh, first heard you at uh, M2, Community M2. And there you were telling about the challenges you were having uh, in your company. Uh, and like, I would actually love to hear some of those challenges. Uh, before, like, I have many questions, but I think uh, this can be the first one. Like, especially in an enterprise company, especially a company like Cisco, how uh, did you try to switch and what were the main challenges? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Great question. I feel like we could talk about this for the whole time. Um, I mean, I think so. I, I, I mean, I've only this is the only you know major company that I've worked for, like Fortune 100. I don't have experience working for others, but I do imagine it's similar. Um, you know, proving ROI is critical for any marketing team at like wherever you are, but especially at a large company where lots of people are a- asking for budget. Um, there's lots of changes, uh, like every quarter it changes. So it's very, very, very complex and there's not as much as you can control. Um, so however, like answering your question though, um, some of the main challenges, um, was just being more efficient with what we were doing on like the paid social side. So, um, and I have the benefit of like, I run PPC and paid social. So I see the more like acquisition side, like demand capture side and, demand create. However, like before it was just very, you know, traditional lead gen mm-hmm. model. Um, and we still have part of that model still be just because of our internal um, asks and just the way that the company is structured. But I would say it's it's definitely a challenge to, you know, be showing like all of these leads every month. Um, and then, you know, it wasn't like a cold turkey. Okay, we're just yeah. not doing that anymore at all. Um, but um, there was, and you know, I think you'll ask a few questions later. I might dive deeper into this, but there was, it was a pretty easy, um, once I had my mind wrapped around like, okay, what can I do to show like, okay, I want to run more video on LinkedIn. I want to pull a lot of that traditional lead gen, uh, budget and pour that more into like demand, create activities and educating our audience. And when you pull those funnel numbers, like, you know, lead to MQL and then all the way down the funnel, it's pretty in, in most cases, it's pretty easy to show like this is not efficient, like this isn't um, really, you know, it's not delivering anything close to, you know, a one to one ROI. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's I, my head still kind of spinning, honestly, trying to think through all the things because it's been it's I been can only not, imagine. Yeah, it's it's not it's only been I would say like around nine months since we really started pushing. And um, I'll probably mention her several times because Crystal, who works with me, like she's been like a uh, partner with me and doing this transition. And so it's been really, really, I would say that's the other thing too. It's really, really helpful when you have someone that has the, that shares the same vision um, and is able to like help you execute that. So that's been super crucial. Um, so, and one last thing and I'll, I'll pause cause I feel like there's oh, a lot of carry, carry on. Like um, I, I'm in loving it. 
I, I was going to say one thing that helped too, like for anyone that does manage both like PPC and paid social, I think, you know, for us and for most teams, like where you're actually generating revenue is on, you know, the paid search side. And yeah. that's, you know, typically where you can show that. And so like we were hitting our goals. We were, um, you know, from the <laughs> very top level of just MQL goals, we were hitting our, our revenue goals, our um, pipeline goals. And so I think there's a level of trust that you can build, you know, showing that, okay, we're delivering what's being asked of um, not only our kind of section of our demand team, but like overall marketing, like we were hitting our goals. And so I think that helped as well. Like, um, you know, if we were really struggling to generate any revenue on PPC, I don't, I think it would have been difficult to, to potentially make the switch on paid social. Actually, about the PPC, uh, I was also coming from a PP. I'm also coming from a PPC background, and in my previous company, when I was trying to switch uh, to lead from lead gen to demand gen, uh, obviously my uh, previous CMO and actually all of the board, all of the executives were asking for the return on return on investment. And okay, on the PPC side, it was easier. We spent this money, uh, this is the MQS, this is the opportunities, and this is the cost per opportunity. It was amazing. But when uh, we put that money on the LinkedIn side, uh, it was like horrible because right. we were including all of these awareness campaigns, all of the demand creation campaigns. And at the end of the day, uh, on the either first UTM or last UTM side, the amount of opportunities you could attribute to actually LinkedIn paid as uh, was so limited. Limited. And it was the probably one of the most challenging t- things. They were saying, okay, this is the uh, S- amount of SQLs coming from PPC, this is the cost per SQL, and this is on LinkedIn. Uh, did you have uh, any uh, sort of a problem like that? And my second question is, I know that uh, you're also coming from PPC background. So uh, coming from PPC, how did you adopt this whole page social stuff? And what are the things that you actually really miss uh, on the PPC site? Man, great questions. <laughs> I feel like there's so I'm trying my so, best. So much to answer um, to that because there's so much to it. I let me answer your your second question first. Um, I I do and I I honestly like I've thought about this multiple times. So I love I love this question. I've thought about how do I communicate this on like on LinkedIn or something else. But this is a great um, avenue to do that. I think the benefit of having a PPC background, and there's downsides to it too, but the benefit is you really do have a strong sense of the ROI. But I would say more specifically, and for us, uh, and I think for a lot of SaaS companies, you have multiple products, you have multiple things you're selling. And so, and like we're uh, in the events industry. So specifically, I run paid for WebEx events, like event software. Um, you know, it's a, for us, we truly are like virtual and in person um, and hybrid. And so those are very different use cases. And so on the PPC side, we're able to see, OK, what's what where's the demand right now? Like what is um, converting? And then that a lot of times will impact like what we're focusing on um, on the paid social side, um, because it's like virtual, you know, was huge during the pandemic. But then after that, like there's been a huge burnout on that and there's a lot more focus on in person and so we knew this was happening like late summer early fall last year well before a lot of other people were talking about it because we saw it on the ppc side um and so that that's an amazing use case yeah so we were like and part of it too is you know just 
talking to our sales team as well, uh, talking to our own like events team and like what they were focusing on too. So like we had that as well. It wasn't just the data. Um, but I think, and I, I'm, I feel like I'm already like forgetting your main question, but I think, um, trans to answer your like transitioning or like how I evolved, like from PPC to paid social, like I mean, it truly is so different. I think that's part of the reason, uh, my hypothesis that has no data to back it up. I think why there's such a strong, like traditional lead gen and just that mentality for paid social is because of the PPC, um, like just like that's historically been what how people have run paid yeah. and paid socials like been there you know it's like facebook's been around for over a decade now and things like that but i think um once people started to see like um any sort of like attribution and stuff they're trying to apply the same logic and the same models for ppc to paid social and i think this last year um and again like I listened to Alice, like your CMO, um, talk about this switch when they start, when you guys started doing it, um, a couple of years ago, whenever it was, it really is like a mindset shift. And like, what is the end? Like, what is the main goal that we're trying to do on paid social? And if you're in that mindset of PPC of, okay, I need to get conversions. I need to get demos like right away. Like you're just going to fail unless like your product is amazing and your pricing super cheap, which that's not really the case for any <laughs> SaaS company. Um, so I think transitioning from that mindset to, okay, let's dial in our audience. Let's give them like the best content, give them tons of value, like in the feed. So they're just like getting that without, you know, getting pestered by emails or having to like go to our site or like, you know, read a 30 page case study. Like let's give that to them, them in the feed. I think, you know, that was, it's so obvious to me now, but that took me, um, I don't know, three, four, five months to like really understand that. So let me stop there because I, I don't remember your other questions. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, uh, you have been on a great uh, point there because now I'm thinking about what I used to do before. And uh, like, okay, the main KPI was to ebook, get, getting ebook downloads and therefore cost per MQL and uh, number of downloads. But when you think about that, like the journey is so broken. Uh, how come someone who just downloaded an ebook can end up being a customer? Uh, and like now when you take a step back, you can see that it is broken. But when you're in it, uh, you just cannot understand that. Uh, and in your answer, actually, you uh, said something about attribution. So I'm going to stop here and actually change my uh, first question. Okay. Are you using any attribution tools and how do you track uh, your success of demand chain campaigns? Yeah, so we, I mean, we run HubSpot, we use HubSpot for our, our CRM and marketing automation. So that, that's what we're using for attribution on the paid social side. Like we do, the biggest way we can see this and that in the, how I've been able to actually measure a lot of the demand creation impact because we shift from like nearly 100% lead gen to like, over 50% like video and like, you know, non-direct response ads. Um, we, we use metadata to run our paid social and that's synced with our HubSpot CRM. And so we're able to see like down the road, once we start to get leads in our CRM, we're able to see like if we impacted those accounts like before that happened. And like, that's how we're able to see triggered um, opportunities. And then we're also able to see influence opportunities, of course. And I think most marketing teams typically report on that for, for paid social. And that can be a very loose, uh, influence attribution yeah. sometimes. So, um, I will, I, I can't answer this question without saying 
how badly I want hockey stack. And I know that you're an advisor <laughs> for them. This and you didn't. This is not a setup. Like I love um, what hockey stack is building, and I so badly want um, to get that tool eventually because I think um, it's more important to see like the impression based stuff that you're doing um, and how you're impacting those accounts. Um, and I know that you can also tie in intent and things like that as well with the tool. Um, but like for, for us right now, like it works to be able to use like our HubSpot um, metadata um, attribution model that we have. But I think I don't, part of it's just our internal, like how we report and how we get budget. Um, and we also have, we're pretty much strictly like ABM focused for paid social now. Cause we, you know, we're, we're a part of a larger organization. And so there's very different goals now for paid social. Um, but I think if, if I didn't have to like prove that I would, I would look at more of like the micro, um, just metrics and like how we're moving or how we're like penetrating accounts, like the number mm -hmm. of aud the audiences that we're penetrating. Um, I even recently like created a slide for our, our ABM um, efforts the past few months to show like our video um, segmentation and like how we're remarketing. And like we essentially like were able to serve like over 8,000 like mini demos in the feed because oh, wow. this was like the fourth or fifth tier in our remarketing Um pool that we had set up and it wasn't when i say demo you know it's you know it's yeah, not yeah. It, like you actually mean it was sales but like you know it, it was like we had a couple like one minute two minute um videos that were really showing like the capabilities of our software and this was like very deep and we had taken you know a, a larger audience that was still very honed in and then basically just filtered out who's actually interested by doing the video remarketing and so um it's not that showing that I don't think uh, even the, the people that I was showing that to, like it was a different leader in a different organization. I don't think they fully grasped what I was showing them, but I think that's one way that I, I measure as well. just like how many people are we getting down to that part where we're able to actually show them um, more product type stuff. So. Yeah, makes, makes sense. Uh, makes sense. Actually you said two things and, uh, let me choose which one I would like more. Uh, okay. Let me start with ABM. Uh, how does your ABM strategy look like and how does this strategy sit with the demand generation, uh, mindset? That's, that's such a good question. And I feel like I don't have a, I'm trying. I, I don't have a great, <laughs> I, I would be very curious to hear like what the much smarter ABM folks on LinkedIn have to say about that. Cause I think, I mean, obviously it's going to be different with your org. Um, and, I, and I've also seen people, you know, ask the question, like, isn't ABM just like basically like more targeted, like good marketing essentially. And it's like, I kind of agree with that. I mean, there's definitely some differences, but for us, like, we do have a decent sized team. Like we have about like 16 marketers on our team. And so it's not small by any means, but like we don't, you know, we're not, I, I know like, I think Snowflake has like 20 people just on their ABM team, like, like yeah. solely focused on that. Um, but to answer your question, I think ABM and demand gen working together, it's a great example of, if you're a marketer that understands audience creation, so like more on like the paid side and like how you're targeting, but then like the more content marketer, I guess for lack of a better term, like mm -hmm. understanding how are we going to like tell a story? Like what's the narrative this, and this gets into brand as well. I think it really combines um, you need to understand how to use like platforms and where to target and all of that stuff on the media side. 
But then it, I think the biggest part of it is the content and how are you actually different, differentiating yourselves from your competitors? If it's a very, um, just dense market, like how are you sticking out? How are you being creative? And like, again, Cognizant is so good at this. Um, I think like that, that's like the biggest thing that I've realized and what I've really tried to lean in, um, as a marketer, like this past year and getting a lot better at creating content myself and understanding how to tell a story. So I don't, I don't know, that doesn't exactly answer your question, but I think it, it really, you really, really, really have to understand your product and how that fits, um, into what your target audience needs and like being like being able to capture their attention. Um, so I don't, I didn't, I didn't really talk that much about ABM cause I think ironically, it's like really just understanding your audience and your content. So I don't, hopefully that made some sense. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, it is the same. And to be fair, I have no idea what an ABM team with like 20 people uh, can be doing. Like, I honestly cannot understand. And I remember seeing an ABM manager for the first time in my life, uh, my life from Gong. And I was like, holy shit, uh, they actually have a person dedicated uh, for ABM. And now, like, I literally cannot grasp the uh, like idea of having 20 people just for ABM. Like crazy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and my second question uh, was remarketing, retargeting site. Uh, how do you approach remarketing there? And how do you segment the audience? What are the criteria that uh, you mostly focus on when it comes to re- remarketing? Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer this in two ways. The first, like just traditional kind of like website, how we're doing that, retargeting website visitors, but then how we're, I can explain more like the video remarketing and how we're doing that. Um, so like for our website, we, and this, this might be obvious to most people listening, but for anyone who's not doing this, like the biggest, like we used to just remarket like our whole site and like most, you know, SaaS companies, we have a blog, we have like lots of content that's very top of funnel. It's not in market at all. And so like what we're doing is we just, essentially created like a select URL, um, remarketing audience. And that's, you know, just very high intent. So like demo pricing page and product pages includes paid landing pages as well. Um, and just getting like segmenting that. So like for a more bottom of funnel offers or, you know, the more product, uh, focused videos that we're running, things like that. So like, that's kind of like the main bucket and that that's probably pretty obvious. But the second thing and like how we're segmenting for video Um, this is, it hits audiences and like the content and what we're doing. So like I, it's going to be different for whatever, you know, organization you work for. But if you, if you're in B2B, you most likely have a few different personas or like, you know, ICPs, however you you describe it. And for us, like that is what we started doing. Like before we had this, um, very focused ABM, um, approach, we, we had about four different ICPs that we really, drill down on like the the job titles and who we're targeting on LinkedIn and then the content as well because the content was different like there's different use cases mm-hmm. for like higher ed and like nonprofits running events versus you know tech and like uh, just fortune 1000 so like that's how we created those audiences and I'll get to remarketing it's like what does it have to do with remarketing it has a lot <laughs> to do with it because you can save a lot of money and you can get a lot more um, just pointed in what you're doing when you start with like a more honed in audience, more uh, relevant creative or content, 
ads, whatever, and then remarket with like a story, like one example, just a quick example. Like we have, um, and if you do YouTube, um, this is a better way to explain it. Like sequence ads. I love on YouTube because you can like tell this story, you can direct people and you know, you can choose impression view, et cetera. And like with LinkedIn, like, you know, we're choosing people that watch 50% of, of a video, like then we're going to move them, you know, to the next tier and this, and I know, and I agree like with a lot of people and I'm not sure what you think about this. Like there's not, there's for sure not a linear funnel. So it's not like we're trying to do that, but like, we're basically trying to filter out, you know, if we have like a 20 K audience that we're targeting on LinkedIn, like of those 20 K, like how many are, are actually like in market to buy, or like, you know, it's on their radar yeah. for a little bit. And then we're able to remarket, you know, more like, so it starts with like unaware of like the problem, like moving them to, you know, a more like solution aware type ad, um, using some funnel, um, terms here, but then, you know, getting more down into the product and like, it's been really, really effective for us. And it just makes us more confident too, that we're spending budget well. So for anyone who's had budget cut, it's a, I think a great, great way to justify like what you're doing. Yeah, and actually, this uh, refines our audience uh, in a much better uh, place. And now you, you end up targeting an actual qualified audience. Um, and especially on LinkedIn, uh, we are basically doing the same thing. Like uh, for the videos, uh, people who watch specific videos up until 50% uh, or single image viewers. And mm -hmm. to be fair, I was testing something uh, just to understand whether it will work. And uh, I ran this campaign in which uh, I target every every person who has been in our company page for the last 30 days. Mm. Okay, uh, our company page is great. People visit the company page a lot and the audience size was pretty good. Like it was like uh, 20, 25K. Uh, but like the results were awful. Mm -hmm. Then... Uh, in the second week, I changed it uh, to the people who have been on the company page, uh, but also who clicked uh, on the CTA on the company page and end up on the website. You can't believe the difference. Like uh, the number of conversions uh, was much better. Obviously, the cost per conversion was much better. And mm -hmm. that was the uh, proper audience. Then uh, on the website site, your first part, uh, it makes complete sense. And we are doing the same thing, uh, especially uh, for the paid landing pages, for the product mm -hmm. pages, pricing pages. Uh, but one thing I'm still not sure about, the homepage. What are your thoughts? Do you think it is worth exclude or include? Because actually homepage is the page that you get most of the uh, irrelevant traffic, but also people could just be, I don't know, searching for your brand and ending up on your homepage. That's a good, yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I would actually have to double check this. Like when you ask them, like, I don't, I can't remember if we're including that or not. And like our select URLs, cause I, I don't think we are. Cause I think we, like I mentioned earlier, it's just like the product URLs, like demo pricing paid. And I, I don't think, I don't think it includes just like our, our homepage. Like it includes our, you know, our branded um, paid LP that's really, really close to our homepage. But I, I, I think it's similar. And I was going to highlight too what you just said. I'm going to try this. That's a brilliant tip of doing the <laughs> LinkedIn um, retargeting to people that went to your company page and clicked on the CTA. Cause I, the same thing, I haven't tested it in a while because 
I've found the same in the past when I've tried to do company page targeting. Like, you know, I think it's mostly people that are just connecting maybe with your employees. I mean, especially for a brand like you that has a lot of marketers like myself following your team, like it's probably not relevant in market. But if you're getting people that are then going to the site, like that's a great, I love that. So I'm going to try that. <laughs> um, but I definitely like otherwise, uh, I actually checked that audience uh, from the audience insights on LinkedIn. And when I only target uh, the people who have been on my company page, it is mostly the entry level people or junior people. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, those were the people who are looking for a job and probably they are applying a job right. uh, through our company page. That yeah, that totally make that totally makes sense. Like that that's a brilliant segmentation of that because I yeah I've never successfully really retargeted to like company page. So that I love that. Yeah, like uh, live and learn. You know, live and learn. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing uh, interesting, like you keep saying interesting stuff. So like I am just uh, want to follow the lead here uh, <laughs> and uh, you said about YouTube ads and YouTube sequences. Uh, I know that you've been doing some YouTube ads and I would love to hear more. How did you start? Uh, what kind of ads you are running and like what are the do's and don'ts? Yeah, so I and I, I'm speaking as someone that's definitely not an expert on on YouTube ads, but I in my prior like agency experience, I had a lot of success, more more with B2C clients, um, but even for B2B and why I love, I know we were chatting this about this offline before, but the, the reason why I love YouTube and for anyone who's like, oh, that's, you know, just a waste of money or time, you, I would say it's a great remarketing tactic as well. So like, you know, we were just talking about that. I think it's so, it's so much cheaper than LinkedIn. Um, and so I love, I love it for that reason, just like the cost effectiveness of it and also like the diversity and ad formats that you can do. I mean, sequence ads is like more in depth, but just even doing like, it's been a while since I've done them, but like bumper ads are like so cheap and can just be like top of mind. Um, and you know, you gotta have good video content for it. Like don't do it just to do it. But, um, and I, I would say too, maybe that's one thing I'm just thinking about this now, but because I had some YouTube experience before just going to, you know, in-house B2B, I do think that helped with paid social because, like it's such a difference in like what you're trying to do because I'm not someone that's been able to find, you know, massive like revenue or ROI for YouTube for B2B. I know there's some people out there that do it, but I will say that it's a similar, I I would take a similar approach and to give like some dues is like really, really focus on, um, you know, the the content and creative is just going to be the most important with any, you know, type of social. Um, But I would say even for, for YouTube, like the, and the ones that just as a person that goes on YouTube every day, the ads that like sometimes catch my attention are the very like informal, same thing with LinkedIn too, mm-hmm. like highly produced, um, does not catch my attention. I don't think, I think people see that right away and just skip it. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've talked about our video strategy on a few other, like with a few other people and a few other podcasts. And I think maybe some people listening, I'm like, well, he works for Cisco. He works for like Webex <laughs> events. They have like this massive, uh, you know, engine for creative and like one, like we don't, like we do have a person that's dedicated, um, but it's not like this crazy, like robust thing. And the creative that typically performs the best is people just on our team recording videos and like, we'll put some like music uh, overlays on it and things like that. And, you know, put text on it, like text overlays and that helps. But like 
that's the type of creative that per- always performs better. We just had a new product release like for production studio um, and we're running two different ads. One was uh, a person on our team just kind of talking about it. Like we layered some music on it and like overlays. Um, and then we had a more highly produced quote unquote video. And like, it was a good video and like had similar content, but we saw, we saw, and we saw similar view rates uh, for both like view rates and completion rates on LinkedIn, but we saw almost like not quite, but almost double the engagement rate for like the one that was just the person that was more like informal. Um, so sorry, I'm kind of getting sidetracked, but <laughs> um, it makes me think about like just those creative differences. And like for, for YouTube, I think it's so crucial just to test different things um, like that and like really understand. And it can be a good playground too, to like see what type of creative is performing well and like it's a cheaper way to do that than like on on a linkedin um type platform um and and that's too why like on the audience side i like remarketing because you're confident in who you're serving your ads to but on like the prospecting side i definitely don't have any silver bullets or um like i mean yeah i've tested in market audiences and it depends on your category it depends on your product like maybe it can work but i think most most marketers find like you know youtube's a lot looser than like linkedin targeting so those are a few thoughts. <laughs> yeah, actually, about the audiences, I was going to ask: like, are you going to are you using YouTube only for remarketing, or are you testing different audiences? And yeah, in, for the in market, never work for me. Literally, never. Yeah, for so recently, it's just been remarketing. That's more just been like budget allocation. We just have a small budget allocated to it right now. In the past, when we had more, um, I did test in market. Um, I don't like there was definitely no like crazy conversion type audience. Um, there was definitely differences in like view rates and things like that that I could see. And even like uh, click through rates, which obviously that's not really a metric you're focusing on for YouTube. But um, there were a few different audiences that we were testing. The other thing I have done, though, I'm not sure if you've done this. We used to see when we did more of this on YouTube, there was a custom audience we created with like select URLs, like for competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, then we put in just some, some like our core, uh, an easy way to test this is just take like your core non-brand keywords and like plug that into a custom audience and test that. It's going to depend on like the volume and, and, you know, just the relevancy of that. But that's one, I definitely saw higher view rates for that compared to like in market. So it's, you know, it didn't like move the needle, but it was uh, a good test to do. Yeah, actually, we have a dedicated campaign only for competitors, and I'm loving it. Like, very cheap way uh, to basically uh, target all of your competitors, and yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, and on the YouTube side, uh, do you differentiate by device, or like, are you excluding desktop, or are they, uh, sorry, are, are you excluding TVs, or uh, do you leave them there? Good question. Uh, it's been a while since I've thought about this. We, I think for most of the campaigns we're doing, yeah, we're excluding, excluding that. I, I can't remember though for remarketing if I'm as picky about that because it's a smaller audience too. Um, but I, I, I want to say, and I may, I can't say this for sure, but I do think it's been a smaller portion of it I, on the search side. I'm for sure doing that because <laughs> mobile does not convert nearly as well. Um, but for, you know, for you, YouTube is different. Um, but yeah, in the past, like I would typically exclude that. Um, but I, I feel like I've, I'm, I've been out of really, really testing YouTube for like six months or so. So I'm not sure I don't, don't take that advice from me. I would I'd take your advice over mine. Uh, I mean, we are testing now, uh, 
like up until a month ago, uh, all of the devices were included. Uh, and for the last three weeks, we split the campaigns by uh, TV, desktop, and mobile. Uh, and uh, the view rates on the TV side are very high and mm. like incredibly high. But my reasoning here is that probably people basically uh, are seeing those as when they are drunk, when they are watching TV and they just mm. can't move, like can't skip that. Right. Uh, otherwise, like I can't, uh, I, I cannot think of a possible reason why a view rate on TV is like 2x higher than mobile or desktop. Literally, no. Right. Yeah. Cause if you're like watching something and you're like, you have the remote, like I, I always skip the, or if my daughter is like watching something, I'm always skipping. Also exclude, <laughs> exclude kid, kids channels, biggest waste of money. Make sure you're doing that. Like, yeah, definitely, definitely. And definitely please exclude all of the kids channels. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you actually, uh, told that, uh, you were coming from an agency background and you did B2B and B2C in that sense. Uh, as a person who has been uh, in both of the sides, how would you say uh, B2B is different than B2C and what are the similarities? Yeah, good question. I mean, the, the most common similarity that everyone always says is just like you're marketing to people, no matter if it's B2B or B2C. Mm-hmm. But obviously the difference in that is typically in B2B, uh, it's a buyer committee, you know, it's three to five or maybe even more like it's a group of people. It might be a mix of manager and director and you know, C-level, or maybe it's just manager or director level. Whereas, you know, with B2C, you can really drill in on like the demographics and like who your core audience is. So like, there's definitely differences there for sure. Um, also, I, I, and I know, and I have not figured out, we do have some success on Facebook, very small budget, but I, like I used to see a ton of success B2C for Facebook. Um, that's definitely the channels can be different. The channel mix is definitely different. And especially if you can get success on Facebook or YouTube for B2C, you're not going to spend, you know, two, three, five X the CPM on LinkedIn as you would if you can get similar results. So, um, but I would say like, it is similar to like, you're just at the end of the day, it's like, you're trying to get people's attention. And so if your content or your creative isn't, um, doing that, like that, that, uh, that applies to either, you know, it's different when it's a B2C consumer thing. And, you know, if it's, if it's not a need, you're, you're really going to have to like get their attention, like show why, like they quote unquote need that. Um, <laughs> uh, which is part of the reason why I don't want a career in B2C. Cause I, I don't, I try to, um, not do that. And <laughs> in my like marketing, um, but I think, um, the, and the other like biggest difference too, is just the complexity of course, of like, a a buyer journey and that cycle, you know, a lot of, you know, it's going to be very different. The buyer journey and, and the sales cycle for a six-figure SaaS product, you know, is going to be very different than, you know, $100 pair yeah. of headphones on Amazon. Like, it's just, you know, that's just always going to be different. And that's why I think there's always so much conversation around ROI and attribution for B2B because, like, we're really trying to solve that as close as we can for B2C because for B2C, it's a, a lot simpler. And so, you know, maybe we're going to see a, a shift in that as, like, more companies are going, like, PLG and like kind of have e-com like that's I think going to be a bigger thing for you know potentially like smaller ACV companies but um yeah I mean it's it's different in a lot of ways but it's also very similar and just people content needs to be attention grabbing so yeah that's my two cents and uh again you said something that really interested me PLG uh 
what are your thoughts about PLG? And I believe you are also applying it uh, in your company. How do you do that? Yeah, yeah, it's been a huge shift, and I also get to um, manage some some PPC for another like really really true PLG product um, called Vidcast, uh, and it's definitely it's I'm I feel like I'm excited because I've never done true PLG before. It's been components of like brands I've managed in the past, but it's definitely a big shift. I mean, I think a lot of companies are going towards that because one, it's just a better buyer experience. So I yep. think, you know, for, for companies that are realizing that uh, also too, just the, you know, economic landscape and a lot of um, sales teams getting cut and marketing budgets getting cut. Like I think, uh, the biggest way that you can move the needle and um, producing revenue is reducing buyer friction. So, you know, being able to purchase on a website um, versus like having to have hours and multiple meetings with sales, like that's obviously a difference. So of course, there's still always going to be like the enterprise, you know, you're going to have to talk to sales, things like that. But I think like for us, like we're really learning a lot and and doing that. And I think um, it's also I think for me, and I'm pushing more into like product marketing and like content marketing too, because of that, um, which is great because you have to like, obviously know your product if you're doing PLG and like, but also like you can't just be so focused on like the features and like your pages, you have to really build. And we we just did this recently for one of our core products. Um, Crystal and I did like, we really tried to pull out and understand, like we interviewed our events team and like really tried to understand like, okay, for an event app, like what are like the actual benefits or like what are what are the main things that you'd want to see when you're going to this page and i think like cro's can become increasingly important um with that i mean it's always been important um but i think for plg like really understanding like the content and like what you're focusing on but then also just simply like the layout and like how you're communicating pricing and and all of that and like what's included like um i definitely am very early on in understanding like what's working so um yeah, there's just it's definitely very different than the traditional enterprise uh, sales motion. And I believe it completely makes sense. Like as a buyer, I'm thinking about myself and like I don't want to spend any time in one more disco call. I don't want right. to wait for like two weeks to see a platform. I just want to see it and um, move forward. Uh, and interesting thing happened. Like I was testing this platform and uh, okay, they gave me the demo, but they didn't tell me the pricing. And they were like, okay, you use the platform for a week and then we will come and tell the pricing. And then they came up and they said 100 grand and i was like i'm not going to give that money. Oh my God. <laughs> like uh, i was like you know i cannot even tell this pricing to my cmo uh and it was a waste of time uh and right. like in that case plg is like the complete solution for the modern buyer right totally that's a great example sorry continue and- I don't know. Uh, actually, this brings me my next question. The modern buyer. Uh, we know that, okay, this marketing journey has changed in the last couple of years and it has been changing. It has been evolving. And from your side, uh, what do you think has changed in digital side uh, for the last, I don't know, two, three years? And what are the things that you used to do before and uh, what are the things that do not work anymore? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I'm answering through the lens of being, you know, heavy. I was on the agency. I've been in-house for almost two years now, but um, 
being on the agency agency side, you're so focused on like platforms and executing that and you're not as focused on, you know, the, the brand, the content narrative, all of that. So, um, I'm answering through that lens. So just to give that preface, but I do think the biggest changes, um, and especially like in our like SaaS circles too, is just, there's been much more emphasis. And I think a lot more B2B companies are seeing results with like creator led content and, um, Mm -hmm. having people really be like the, um, biggest factor, like on social, like, you know, company pages are still important and not diminishing, you know, roles that are involved in that. But I think, you know, no one's going to buy your product because you posted on your company page that you won 10 G2 badges. Like no one cares, just frankly. Um, so, and I think that's been a huge shift and this is, you know, it's, it's one small component of, I think the larger B2B shift and understanding what's actually important to, um, buyers and like, just not wasting their time with, you know, tons of like gated content and things like that. Like there can be a purpose for that and depending the org that you're a part of. But I think, um, the other thing too, and like, I know we've already kind of touched on this, but I think the biggest shift and certainly for how I apply, um, my strategy and stuff for paid social is like, it's so much more in feed focused. Um, it's a lot. And I think too, like I used to just write, you know, very short ads, very simple ads for paid social. Um, mm-hmm. and like now, like I really take the same approach as if I would write my own post on LinkedIn for my own, myself for our ads. Like we are pulling out all the meat of a video or a piece of content. And we're like putting as much of that in an easy to read and like understand way we're doing that in our, in, in the ads. So like people can see that in the feed. And I think like the in-feed consumption, you know, zero click content, like is another term people use. Like, I think that's been a huge difference. Uh, maybe it's just, I wasn't aware of that. I'm sure there's marketers out there that were doing this the last few years. And I think also too, like, of course, like attribution is just always like a conversation. Like I remember when I first, I've been in like PPC for like six years. And I remember when I was first learning about, it was when Google first rolled out like target CPA and like max conversions. And it was like, everyone was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, and yeah, just I like remember. the different uh, attribution models of like data driven, linear and all of that position based, which is great. It was great progress. But I think like we totally are seeing like, um, there is, I, I think there's certain voices that overemphasize this on LinkedIn. Um, so be careful, like what you read. I do think you still, it's not a bad thing to have data. And this is why I love hockey stack too, because, um, there's lots of data that you're getting, but it's just showing like what's working, um, what's not working. And then you're able to like drill down into that. And it's not, I think there's an overemphasis on like Google, Google ads and like demand capture channels of like, that's typically where people have focused the attention. I think there's been a shift, um, you know, at least in, in SAS, I think I've seen a lot of people talk about that shift and like, and I've tried to make that shift here and like, it's still a work in progress, but I think understanding like how much, um, actually I just got an email from your CMO this morning talking about like pulling out money that was basically wasted spend on lead gen and putting that into demand creation. Um, I think there's, that's a huge shift that's happening as well. I don't, I, at least I was not aware of people talking about this like two, three years ago. And I think, um, it's also going to be a shift. I think in paid marketers, I'm thankful that I've been able to have a large role in like paid social and doing more content product marketing. Now, I think that's something that I would like definitely advise like paid marketers, especially to like, you really have to start working on like content more, 
um, and not just being someone that can like pull levers in a platform. Like, I think that's a huge difference as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, on people led content versus company led content, uh, this is like uh, showing the B2C impact on B2B. Uh, Like people don't buy uh, from other companies, people buy from people. And now B2B is, I believe, evolving uh, in that space. Like, as you said, I don't want to see one more G2 badge. Everyone has the G2 badges. Uh, But I want to hear from other people. I want to see their experiences. I want to understand them. And yeah, I I hundred percent agree. Uh, and uh, now that like oh, oh, unfortunately we are coming to an end. Like I had like at least uh, twenty questions. Uh, <laughs> we'll, do a, we'll do a part two later. Uh, honestly, like okay, I will. Uh, okay, first question, uh, and I think it will be a short one. Uh, your thoughts on the gift card and the vouchers? Like everyone is now uh, basically giving vouchers in, in exchange of meetings. What do you think of them? Have you ever been converted uh, with any of it like that? So we we did used to do this a couple of years ago. Um, we were running this and we, we tried doing it. And like we would see uh, meetings booked and like from a cost per SQL perspective, it was cheaper than a lot of our non-brand stuff. But the close rate was just abysmal. I, I don't think we had any that closed. Maybe we had one or two. Um, I don't remember how many we drove. So... I, it didn't work for us, um, and I and we've talked about trying it again, especially with like ABM, like if it was more targeted, like way, way, way down funnel with specific people. But my thoughts are, I think it works for companies that have a very differentiated product um, or like a very just like they have like their narrative, their brand, like they have all of that nailed down. Like I, I know it works for metadata. I think they have a, they have a fantastic brand. They have um, a, a product that is very different than their competitors. They don't really have a true competitor. Um, so I think it can work for uh, companies like that. But for majority of, of SaaS, like you're just you're just another event software. You're just another like sales automation tool. Like there's just, I don't think yeah. it works for things like that because the reality is it will work for people that are the 3% that are in market and they're ready to buy and like you're on their short list because most people have already done their research or they're already aware or they've used a tool in their past company. And so that's why, that's why I don't think it works for the majority. So like, that's my answer. I think it works for some, but I think you really have to have a fantastic product and you really have to have like your brand and your narrative like nailed down. Yeah, definitely. Like I think Metadata is the only company that uh, somehow found a way to make them work. But other than that, yeah, you're so right. And uh, one final question uh, we always like to end on. Uh, what one thing would you tell marketers to stop stop, and continue doing based on the current landscape? Yeah, great question. This also like at my agency, we whenever we had reviews, we always had to do this. So it reminds me of that. Really? Um, yeah, it was, it was a good thing. It makes you think. I like this question. Um, I mean, I think I would stop. I got to be careful how I say this. I would stop for the most part, like really trying to drive um, revenue, like through traditional lead gen on paid social. Um, like there, there's certain attribution at, at companies where that's required. But I think that, and especially, and I think it's the economic times and like marketing budgets being cut. I think it is going to be an obvious thing to be cut with. And I think it also, I would, it blends with stop creating content that like 
kind of needs to be gated. Um, like really long stuff, really in depth. Like I think there is certain content that should be gated because you put so much time and work into it. It's like really, really valuable. But I think the shift and like what I would say, like start doing instead of that is breaking that down in like bite-sized pieces and then like, you know, delivering that in feed, um, having, you know, more valuable like email, like content, things like that. I think that that's a huge shift in like how you do content and distribution. Um, so I know that's like a really big shift for a lot of people potentially. Um, but I do think it's just, it just makes sense to like give people value. Like, why would you want to, um, make people sign up for something when it's going to potentially convince them to like buy your product. Uh, and that's kind of oversimplifying it, but I think, um, that's something and think can, continue slash maybe start doing. And I said this earlier, like I am, and I'm still very inconsistent. I'm still, um, figuring out how to do this, um, more, but I think there's a benefit if you're a B2B SaaS marketer of posting your thought process, what you're doing on LinkedIn. Like for me personally, it's really helped me get a lot better at writing paid social ads. Like I've only been like kind of doing it the last nine months and it's made a huge impact. And I think focusing on getting really good at content marketing, um, really understanding like and creating processes too. I think it's less about like the end results and more about um, continuing to like refine your processes and how you gather like customer insights, how you gather insights from sales and then the process of distilling that into how are you executing your content? Um, How is that informing um, like your next quarter, like what you're, what you're going to focus on, like, um, the types of content, the campaigns, the distribution, all of that. I think, um, there has to be a lot more scrutiny and like what we're doing because of just how, how hard it is right now, um, with less resources and with, you know, tighter budgets for a lot of companies, I think, yeah. um, really mastering that is going to play, uh, pay a lot of dividends. Amazing. Thank you so much, Andrew. Uh, I honestly enjoyed this so much and I wish we had more time. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's been really, really good chatting with you. Um, really enjoy, again, like just what you're doing at Cognizant. I'm a huge fan of, of Cognizant and Hockey Stack too. So um, thanks for being an inspiration to the rest of us B2B marketers. Uh, thank you so much. I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. You, you gave me goosebumps. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining, Andrew. Have a great day. Bye-bye.